We are going to be in the book of Matthew today, chapter 28. So if you have a Bible or some kind of technology, open it up to Matthew chapter 28. Before we get into the text today, just a quick little announcement that today is Pentecost Sunday, if you didn't know. Uh, Pentecost Sunday is 50 days, penta means 50, uh, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, and it's the day that the church celebrates. So today is actually 49 days, but we celebrate it on a Sunday just because it's easier as the church. Uh, but it's the day we celebrate what happened there in the upper room where the 120 disciples were waiting, and there the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they received power from on high, and all the crazy stuff started happening. Tongues of fire appeared. They started speaking in tongues of different languages. It went out, and all these people were getting saved. That, that is the day of Pentecost, the day that Jesus told everybody to wait for, and it's the day that the Holy Spirit came. That is today, and in light of that, next week, we are starting a 15-week series on the Holy Spirit. Through the entire summer, it'll take, yeah, it'll take us all the way up until our anniversary on, uh, in September, the second week, or first or second week of September. We're going to be talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. If you've ever wondered, like, oh, dude, that thing sounds so weird. Is that, we're going to talk about all that stuff. So this is the time to come, uh, you know, expectant, expectant for God to move in your life this summer. The beach can wait till after church. It'll still be there. Sun will still be out. In fact, even hotter, I think, by the time church gets done. So come this summer on Sundays. It's going to be a good time for the next 15 weeks. But today, we're finishing the book of Matthew. So Jesus has uh, finished his work on the cross we saw a couple weeks ago. And he has risen from the dead just like he said he would we saw last week. And then he has appeared to his disciples and now he's here, and they're tripping out. What? Well, Jesus is alive. And he has one last thing to say to them before he ascends to heaven. He says in Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The title of this sermon is Go. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it's, uh, it's alive and it's active and able to speak into our lives as only a living word could. But Lord, we... Uh, we want to position our hearts in a way that we can receive also today. So we just take a moment to say, Lord, your word's alive. We know you want to speak to us, but we open our ears to hear what you would say to us. Pray for my brothers and sisters in here, Lord, that every single one of them would hear exactly what you want to say to them. Thank you that I could never even try to do this, but you can divide up your word into like 300 different pieces in order to speak to every single person in this room exactly how they need to be spoken to through the same word. So we ask that you would do that right now, and then our ears would hear and our lives would respond in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said the title of this sermon is Go, and that's really what we see happening in the Gospels, right? We see this constant going. There was always a moving forward. It started with Mary and Joseph and God telling them to go to Jerusalem. And then we see Jesus constantly on the move, going from place to place. There was this continuous movement. And along the way, Jesus is inviting people with him. And eventually, he goes to the cross. But before he gets there, right, there's like this, lepers, you're healed, now go. 
Tell the priests. Show yourself to the priests. The woman caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. And then he sends out his disciples two by two and they go. There was this constant forward movement. And the movement doesn't stop at the cross when Jesus goes to the cross. That's not the end. The movement continues as Jesus rises from the dead. There was constant movement. We are intended to move. Living things move. Nothing living ever stays the same. Only dead things stay the same. And the kingdom of God and the body of Christ are alive, living things. And so there should always be movement and growth. The kingdom of God is never stagnant. If you haven't experienced some kind of movement and growing in your life, man, something needs to shift because nothing living stays the same. In the kingdom of God, there is always movement. And in our text today, this movement continues as Jesus commissions his disciples and in turn us to go. Verse 19 says, go therefore and make disciples. So the point is, go. The question is, how do we go? Where do we go? And when do we go? First of all, how do we go? Well, we find the answer in verse 18 when Jesus prefaces this commission to go with these words. He says in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. For two and a half years as a church, uh, we've been studying the book of Matthew. Has anybody been here that whole time? Okay, cool. For two and a half years, we've been studying the book of Matthew, and we have seen on display the authority of Jesus. We've seen his authority over the spiritual realm as he speaks to people who are demonized with like legions of demons, and he tells them, go, get out, and they obey him. Authority over the spiritual realm. We've seen him take authority over the natural realm as he speaks to things like storms and chaotic things and says, peace to them, and they're still, and peace comes. We see even his authority in the human body as he speaks to stuff like sickness and disease, and his authority over even inanimate objects like wine and water and fish and bread. And we've seen him exercise his full authority through the gospel of Matthew, even over sin and even over death itself. And so when Jesus conquers death, rises from the dead, and then appears to his disciples alive and says to them, all authority has been given to me. It's kind of like, yeah, no, duh, Jesus, you're the man. You are God draped in human flesh. You said it. Lord, we have seen it. You indeed have all the authority. All of it's been given to you, and it has been given to Jesus, all the authority. There is nothing Beyond the scope of Jesus and his power and authority. Some of you need to hear that today before we go any further. There is nothing beyond the scope of Jesus and his power and his authority. Even that day, there was some there who really needed to hear that. It says just before this that there were some who doubted. They saw Jesus even risen. And some still doubted. Some today, man, some of us are like, I just don't know, Lord. You need to hear Jesus say, man, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Jesus has all the authority, but that is not actually the point here. That's not actually the point Jesus is trying to make. That is the preface to his actual point. He says, All authority has been given to me. Go therefore. His authority is a preface to the main point. We know this. Because the statement about his authority is followed with this word, therefore. And in the Bible, whenever there is a therefore, you have to ask yourself, what is the therefore, therefore? All right, this is a good, this is a good Bible study tool. Seriously, if you ever see the word therefore in the Bible, always ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? 
and you look back because there's some reason, there's some reason that the therefore is therefore. You look back to see what, what was just said. Therefore, in this context, Jesus saying, in light of this. Therefore means in light of what was just said. So right here, Jesus is saying, all authority has been given to me. Go there, therefore. He is saying, in light of me having all authority, now you go. Or because I have all authority, now you go. That's what the therefore means right there. So let, hold on. Let's get this straight. Jesus is saying, I have all the authority in heaven and on earth. I have all the control I have all the sovereignty. I have all of the power. I have all of the supremacy. Because of that, I am now sending you. Wait a minute. Jesus, me? Hold up. Didn't you say you had all the authority? Why am I being sent, Jesus, if you are the one with all of the authority? This passage of Scripture is is, uh, commonly known as the Great Commission, right? You know what a commission is? A commission defined is like this. Commission means to be given the authority, power, and license to act on behalf of another. It is a command or duty given to a person to complete a work, the authority to perform a duty or a task. It's like when Michelangelo was commissioned by the Vatican and the Pope to sculpt these magnificent sculptures or paint these one-of-a-kind paintings. His commissioning gave him authority, power, and preference that would have normally never been given to any layman and was only reserved for the Pope. But because of the commissioning, now Michelangelo could select the best marble in all the land. He could employ the best architects if he wanted to. And he could take as long as he needed to complete the work. All of the power of the Vatican was at his disposal because he had been given the authority by the one who had the authority to give it. The Pope was saying, I have all the authority. And now I am giving you the authority on my behalf to fulfill my vision of these works of art. That is what it means to be commissioned. Jesus is commissioning the disciples and in turn us and saying, I have all the authority. And now I give you the authority on my behalf to go out and make disciples. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 says, or chapter 5 verse 20 says that we are the ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. As if God were pleading through us to the world to be reconciled to him. His authority and power working through us to accomplish his plan. The Bible calls us the body of Christ. It says that Christ is the head. In the, in the human body, there's a central nervous system, right? And the, the central nervous system tells the body parts what to do. Well, Christ is the head. Christ is the central nervous system. He has the authority, just like the central nervous system has the authority. And he sends us out, and he moves in us, and he commissions us to do his work, pleading through us to the world. And just like the body, our body, can do nothing without the central nervous system commanding it to do so, right? You sever the the head from the, the members of the body, and the members of the body do nothing. So we can do nothing apart from Jesus, who is the head, who is the authority. What's crazy, though, is he wants to do this through us. The body, the central nervous system, you take away the, the, the limbs, and you just have a central nervous system trying to do stuff with no members, right? With no hands and feet. The crazy thing about Jesus is he doesn't actually need members. 
If you remember, he speaks a word and stuff changes. Remember the centurion servant who's sick at home, not even in the presence of Jesus, and Jesus says, your servant's healed, and back home the dude gets healed. Jesus just speaks a word. You remember the beginning of all time when God spoke and everything came into creation. He doesn't need members, and yet he invites us into his work. Jesus is not commanding us to work for him. That's not what this is. He is commissioning us to work with him. That's the difference between like the Pope and Jesus here. He doesn't need our hands, but he does want our intimacy. For, for those of you who know me personally, you know that I love like a good packing job. Right? Like packing a car, like when I go on tour or something like that, is like a living game of Tetris for me. You guys remember Tetris from the 80s? Anybody play Tetris? All these little shapes, and they all got to like fit in perfect, and you don't want any space, right? I love a good packing job, and I have a very specific way that I like things packed. Everything has its correct little place. But sometimes, before I like go on a tour or something, I invite one of my kids in to help me pack all of my merchandise and my instruments and stuff. Now, when I invite my kids, like, for instance, Solomon, our little 10-year-old, he loves this stuff. He loves working. He loves, he's a worker. He wants to help. Dad, is there anything I can help with? And so sometimes I invite him in to this very kind of like sacred, holy thing of living Tetris and packing things perfectly. I invite my boy in to this. But I know that if I invite my boy in, that's it's not going to be exactly how I want it to be. I'm going to have to redo some stuff. It's going to take a little bit longer. And the job is probably not going to get done as good as if I had just done it myself. But the point isn't even for me to show my son how to be a better packer. Although that may happen. The point is that I want him to share in the joy of what I am doing and the joy that I experience from looking back at a car or a van or whatever and being like, yeah, look, that's nice. Like, no holes. It's packed. That thing, that was a hole. Right, it's perfect. My shoes fit right there, right? I want my son to experience the joy of what I am doing. The point in my invitation is intimacy. The point of the invitation is intimacy. And the Great Commission is an invitation and call to intimately partner with Jesus in what he is already doing. And yet, we might create a little bit of mess for him. And he might need to clean some stuff up, and we might not get it totally right. But God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's just what he does. He uses the base things of the world to put to shame those things that are exalted. And yeah, we're going to mess stuff up, and yeah, it's going to take long, and yeah, he's going to have to fix some stuff. But is it an invitation not to do stuff perfect, and not because he needs us, but because he wants us to share in the joy of what he is already doing, namely making disciples of all nations. He is after not fruitfulness, he is after withness. I'm going to say that again, because I said this to somebody last night, I was at a show up north, and I said this to this dude last night. I said, God's not after fruitfulness, and he said, hold on, wait, what? He thought, he thought I was being like heretical or something, and I was like, no, dude, God's after withness. Jesus said, fruitfulness comes from the withness. All of your energy, put that into to, to being with me, and the fruit is going to flow from that. Like Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. 
Jesus is the source. And the ability and authority to go comes from him. This word uh, go right here in the Greek, um, I, I said a couple weeks ago that the tenses and voices in the Greek language are the most communicative part of the language. And so it's good to pay attention to that stuff. And if you ever say me, hear me say something like this, like some heady kind of thing, I'm not a heady person. It's not just for fun for me. It's because it means something for my heart. It means something for like my soul. This means something for us, guys. This word go, this verb go, that Jesus says go and make all disciples, it's in the passive voice in the Greek. The passive voice can be up on the screen. The passive voice conveys the idea that the subject is being acted upon by an outside force or power. The subject, us in this case, is the recipient or the receiver of the verbal action or effect. Do you hear what's being said here? When Jesus says go in the passive voice, he is saying go under the influence, power, and authority of me. It's like in 1 Peter when he says be holy. That word be is in the passive voice. He's not saying act holy, do good stuff, righteous stuff, and then you're going to be holy. He's saying you are made holy by the power and authority of something outside of you, namely God and the work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus says here, go, but by the power and authority and influence of me. But make no mistake, he did say, go. But we don't go on our own authority. We have been commissioned to go. And that is what he invites us into. But listen, we got to receive the invitation. Like my son has to receive the invitation for real life Tetris. And he can say no, and he'll never get to share in the joy of sitting back and being like, what, we did that, Dad, that's sick. He can say no. He's got to receive the invitation in order to share in the joy. These guys that Jesus is talking to right here, they have positioned themselves in a way to receive. They have left their nets for a second time. And they are here, and they are ready. They have even left their jobs. They have put down that which has been a distraction and position themselves to hear the call. And then, as we'll see like in the book of Acts, as you see in the book of Acts, receive and respond to that call. And that's where it starts, with Jesus commissioning. But in order to even like hear the commission, you got to position yourself. Like, like Chad Amico said this week, before the commission, you got to position. And then he, he prefaced the statement by saying... Lil Chad, what y'all know about Lil Chad? What y'all know about Lil Chad? He prefaced this statement by saying, sorry man, it's just the way my, my brain works like a rapper. Uh, before the commission, you got a position. I said, like, wait, hold up, what'd you say? Did you say that's the way my brain works like a rapper? This was my, this was my 30th birthday party years ago. Uh, and it was a pop star party. You had to come dressed as a pop star. Chad came dressed as Lil Chad. So like Lil Chad says, before the commission, you got to position. You have to position yourself in a place to even receive the call. Put yourself in a place of like, Jesus, you're speaking. And I'm ready to hear. Jesus said, I have all the authority. I am commissioning you to go. And we respond to the call, and we go. And how do we go? We go in the authority of Jesus. But there's more. If you've got a Bible, turn over to Acts chapter 1. And uh, sorry, Robin, I should have told you this, but we're only going to do the second half of that, where it starts at, do not leave Jerusalem. 
So I'll give you a minute to edit that if you can. Um, Luke gives us this detail in the book of Acts that um, we don't get in the book of Matthew. But right at this moment, Jesus is like, go. Go to the nations. Go make disciples. But he tells them, and it's recorded in, in Acts, it's this last part right here. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. How do we go? We go in the authority of Jesus, yes, but we go in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you don't go until you've got the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, though, we go. How do we go? We go in the authority of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have been sent by Jesus into the world, in his power, in his authority. And what are we sent to do with this, in this power and this authority? We are sent to, verse 19 continues, make disciples. We are sent by the authority, power of Jesus to go and make disciples. That's what we're here to do, guys. That's what we're here to do. If you didn't know, like, why am I still alive? It's not for your job. It's not for your family. It's not for yourself. It's not just to enjoy God. You can do that in heaven. The reason you're still here is this. It's this. Go and make disciples. A disciple, simply defined, is a learner, a follower, an imitator, and devotee. In the New Testament, this, this noun, it's a noun, disciple, right? It's always in this, it's a present tense noun, meaning that it's this right now, ongoing thing. You don't just become a disciple of Jesus and then like it's done. There is this continual, ongoing, learning, following, imitating, devoting to Jesus. But what does it mean to make a disciple? Not just be a disciple. What does it mean to make a disciple? And let me just say this really quick. I hear people say to me often, especially like younger people, um, I'm not dogging on millennial, whatever. I think I'm actually at the tail end of the millennial, so I'm not dogging on us. But I hear this all the time, people saying, hey, man, I'm just like somebody's got to disciple me. Nobody's discipling me. Why isn't there anybody to disciple me? Listen, Jesus did not say, go therefore and be discipled. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples. So like, sure, you might get poured into, awesome, but you're a Christian. Your job, like, in the kingdom is to go make disciples. So stop waiting around for somebody to start pouring into you. And whatever you've got, start pouring it out. Start pouring out. Go and make disciples. What does it mean to make a disciple? Well, it's the, this, is that, this word, make disciples. Two words, make disciples. Actually, just one word in the Greek. It just means disciple, right? It's just this verb, to disciple, as in disciple people. To disciple means to teach and instruct people like Jesus has taught and instructed you. To disciple simply means to teach and instruct people like Jesus has taught and instructed you. There are libraries full of like awesome, really good stuff about how to make disciples. Those things are great, but this is not an exhaustive study on what it means to make disciples. So I just want to quickly mention Three things that we can aim for, three practical things that we can aim for in joining Jesus in this work of disciple making. And this is where, listen, don't tune out. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is your commission. This is, like I said, this is why you're still here. So, how can we join in with this work of disciple making that Jesus is doing? Three simple things. One, 
Making disciples means that we point others to Jesus. Really simply, man, it means when we call people, we call them to Jesus. When Jesus called people, he called them to himself. Above all else, the goal of disciple-making should be to help others see and know Jesus more clearly. We are not trying to help people get to know us better. We are trying to help people get to know Jesus better. We join in with the sentiment of David in Psalm 34 when he called all of his people to taste and see that who? The Lord is good. The invitation is for people to taste and see that the Lord is good. The invitation is for people to experience more of God not more of us. We want people leaving conversations with us, not being like, oh man, they're, they're such a like person of faith or they've got so much wisdom or they're walking in these spiritual gifts or man, I want to I wanna have those things, but rather, whoa, dang, Jesus is that faithful? What? Like Jesus is that strong? Jesus is that big? And how do we do this practically? Well, first of all, we just remember that everything came from him anyway. So if you see fruitfulness in your life, you see something good, some kind of praiseworthy thing, that's all right. But you got to know where the source of that came from. You got to know that, man, your faith to walk and do crazy things, it's because you trust in a faithful God. It's not because you mustered up some cool thing. Your, your obedience and like righteous living, you obey Christ because Christ was obedient to the Father. And the ability that you even have to obey comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, God is always the source. We point people to Jesus is what it means to make a disciple. Now, that doesn't mean that we, like, take ourselves totally out of the equation and make this totally impersonal, like, overly spiritual thing where everything, every time we hang out with a person, it's like all we do is read scripture and pray and never like get personal. When Jesus invited people, he invited them into what he was doing. When Paul the apostle invited people, he invited them into what he was already doing. Which brings us to our second point here that making disciples means that we teach others what we have been taught, but not what we have not. Jesus said it right here. Teaching them, making disciples, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Jesus is saying, hey guys, you've been with me. You've been with me. The last three years, you've been with me. You've seen what I do. You've learned things from me. Now teach people what I have taught you. The idea here is to take people where you have been with Jesus. And don't try to take people where you have not been with Jesus. How deep have you gone? How much have your eyes been opened to who God is? What have you learned? What truth have you learned about who God is and who you are in God that has changed your life? Bring people into that. And for those of you who feel like you've only scratched the surface of who God is, you probably have, and that's all right. But you can bring people into that too. You don't have to pretend to be what you're not. And you can't really take people where you have not been, and that's all right. Nobody's asking you to do that, but you can take people where you have been, and you can take people where you are, and you can move forward with them to learn and grow. Like Paul told the church in Philippi, do what, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. The idea is to take people with you. Like I said, you don't have to pretend to know things you don't or been somewhere you haven't been. But you can't invite people into your place right now. None of us have arrived. We can bring people into where we are right now and grow and move forward together. To disciple 
means to bring people to Jesus. Because even though we might bring them with us where we are, the end goal is always Jesus, right? It's always Jesus. To disciple means to teach people, to instruct them toward Jesus. We are teaching what Jesus has taught us and taking people where Jesus is taking us. Which brings us to our third point. How do you join in with the disciple-making work of Jesus? Well, you do what Jesus does. It's really simple. You do what Jesus does. You came, Jesus came on a mission. And everything he did, like I said, had a purpose and it had forward movement. There was this constant forward movement. And then he dies, which wasn't the end. Then he rises, still moving forward, and then it continues. It continues because he commissions us right here. He commissions us to, with him, continue the work that was started when he says, all authority has been given to me. I'm in you. You're in me. I'm commissioning you. Therefore, with the power that I have that is in me and in you, you now go. I said a minute ago, the first Corinthians says that we are the body of Christ. God is moving Christ is moving through us to accomplish his work. I know I don't look like much to you, and you don't look like much either. But listen, you are all important, vital members in the body of Christ. Some of you are lips and ears and eyes and fingers and toes, some of like the more noticeable things. And those are vital, but somebody in here is that little dangly thing in the back of your throat that nobody knows what it does and it just seems like it's weird and no other creature on the planet has it except for humans. And you're like, what? I don't know what my place is. The uvula. (laughs) Do you know that studies show that the uvula, that's a weird word to say, by the way. I've been practicing it all week. That the uvula provides the necessary saliva to your mouth in order to form and speak words? What? Hold on. I just said that that little dangly thing that nobody knows what it is and only human beings have it is so vital that you can't speak without it. That means everybody... Everybody, even if you feel like some little, like, uvula in the body of Christ, man, listen, some mouth in the body of Christ can't speak without you. The word of God through somebody else maybe can't go forth without you. Every one of us is a vital part in the body of Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us to the world to be reconciled to him. Everyone having a, a, a place in the body. What do we, how do we do How do we do this disciple-making thing? Well, man, we as the body start doing what Jesus does. We just start doing as the body what Jesus does. What does Jesus do? What did Jesus do? What was Jesus about? Man, he was about things like the least of these. Listen, you start doing what Jesus is doing, I bet you're going to find him there. You start spending time, for instance, with the least of these, with the orphans, with the the homeless, and with the outcasts and the marginalized, I bet you're going to find Jesus there. I bet you're going to find Jesus is already there. When I look at the life of Jesus, I see that he was about bringing light and life and love to to dark, dry, dead places and people. 
Who is that for you? What are the dark, dead, dry people or places around you? Start bringing light and love and life to those places. I bet you're going to find that Jesus was already there. Jesus was about things like compassion and mercy for the compassionless and the merciless. Stop bringing, start bringing compassion and mercy to people like that. I bet you're going to find Jesus is already there. And Jesus was about going. So you start going, man, you're going to find Jesus is already here. I'm already joining in with this disciple-making work of Jesus. So the call is to make disciples. Just talked about some simple ways that we do that. Now, who do we make disciples of? Verse 19, of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Listen, Jesus didn't just say the easy, fun nations of the world. He said even like the hostile nations, all nations. Jesus didn't just say like the places where there's warm water and there's no typhoid and there's no persecution. He said of all nations. The call is to all the nations. The call is to all the nations. But do you know where it starts? It starts in Jerusalem. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Listen, some people have been sent to the nations. And Jesus, you got to hear this call of Jesus saying, go, make disciples of all nations. you got to hear the call that, man, we are a sent people. We are a sent people. But you got to hear this, that it starts in Jerusalem. He sent us out, yes, but it always starts in Jerusalem. Can you imagine if the disciples had just... just neglected Jerusalem, been like, no, 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 remember he said the nations, he said the whole world, let's go. No, 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 they started in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the home base for the church. So here's my question, what is your Jerusalem? Because it starts there. What is your Jerusalem? What is right in front of you? Where is your home front? That is where your witness, that is where your disciple making with Jesus starts. Whatever, whoever is right in front of you. We hear all these epic stories of people leaving their hometowns and going to like the Judeas out of their comfort zone. And it's like, man, is that, is that what I got to do? Do I need to do that? We see these stories of the people going to the Samarias, which were like the, the marginalized people and the, the just like, rejected people of the time. And it's like, man, do I need to like find a Samaria to go to? Like, do I need to do that? And then we see all these grand stories, like in our church, really amazing, rad stories of people dropping their whole lives, quitting their jobs, picking up their families, and going to the nations. And we're like, is that, is that what I need to be doing? And maybe, yes. Maybe you need to hear today that you are being sent out somewhere else. God knows that we need more people listening to, receiving the call to go to the nations. But maybe you need to hear today that you have actually already been sent right where you are. Like my mom likes to tell me, son, bloom where you have been planted. God has planted you there 
bloom there. Jesus has already sent you. You are already sent. Don't look or long for Judea when Jerusalem is right in front of you. Don't neglect what God has put right in front of you for what seems like a more exciting or even more spiritual opportunity unless he's really calling you to that. For some of you, that means not neglecting your actual home for the sake of what seems like this more spiritual call or ministry or whatever. You need to hear today that your family is your Jerusalem. Moms, dads, you need to hear your kids are your Jerusalem. Husbands, wives, you need to hear that your spouse is your Jerusalem. And if your Jerusalem is getting second best because you're so occupied with what's happening out there, then you need to recalibrate and come back home. In the church, we talk a lot about those who go and those who send. And we're like, oh, I'm just a sender. I send. I, my, my, my work in this disciple-making thing that Jesus is talking about is I send people. And they're going to go. And that's cool in the sense that, yeah, we do send. But we all send and we all go. You may not go to that nation or be called to that nation, but you are called to this one. You may not go to that other city, but you are called to this one or to the one that you live in. You may not be sent to that city, but you have been sent to this one. You may not be sent to that other family or that other demographic, but you have been sent to your family and to your relationship. You need to hear today that Jesus has sent you. And it doesn't have to be big and crazy and grand and like, whoa, what do you want to do, Lord? I got to like pack up stuff and I got to go. No, 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 no. It's just this. Like that's the going. You don't have to get on a plane. You have already been sent to where you are. You have been sent to where you are. And so we go in the power and the authority, Jesus. And where do we go? We go to the nations starting in Jerusalem. So we start making disciples of the nations starting in Jerusalem. What do we do? We baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it says in verse 19. To be baptized means to be immersed. That's literally what it means. We baptize somebody in water, we immerse them in water. Romans 6 says that we have been united with Christ through baptism. We have been immersed into what Christ did on the cross, buried in the tomb, risen from the dead. And we have received newness of life with Christ. We've been baptized into him. And as we are born again, we are baptized into the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And water baptism is a celebration of that. But also... The New Testament doesn't just use this word baptism to speak of water baptism. Like Jesus said, John baptizes you with water. I'm about to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There is this immersing that comes. And so Jesus isn't just saying, make disciples and baptize them in water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Although that is a thing. But he is also saying, baptize them something else. Let me back up a second. To baptize means to immerse, right? To immerse means to plunge deep to saturate, to be consumed with, to be overcome by. So Jesus says, when he says making disciples, baptizing them, he means immerse them. Immerse them in what? Immerse them in the name. Immerse them in the name. When the Bible uses the word the name, it's not talking about like Dominic or Jesus. It's talking about the character. When Jesus says pray in my name, he's not saying say in Jesus' name. He's saying pray according to who I am. 
pray according to my character. To baptize in the name means to immerse, to plunge deep into the character. Jesus isn't talking about just immersing somebody in water and saying the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, although we may do that and that's fine. We are also to plunge people deep into the character. The character of who? The character of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Because of this, I am sending you to make disciples of all nations. And baptize people in water, yes, but baptize them into the deep things of who God is. And if this sounds heavy and crazy and overwhelming to you, and like, oh, dude, I don't know if that's me. Like, that's too much. I don't know. You need to know three things today. One, Jesus has all the authority, and he has commissioned you. If someone saw this peasant Michelangelo sculpting something or trying to get this sick marble or tell that guy he's not going to build that thing anymore, he's going to come help him over here, all they'd have to know is the Pope sent him. You need to know you've been sent by Jesus. You have been sent by the one with all the authority. Two, you need to know that you don't go alone. Jesus said at the end of this whole thing in verse 20, he says, And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is not just the sender. He is the one who also goes with us. He's saying, remember, don't forget. Do not forget that I am with you and I will always be, even to the end of the age, he says. In other words, until all the work is done, I'm going to be with you. Don't go alone. And thirdly, you need to know that not only do you go out in the authority of Jesus, but you don't go in your own power. Jesus commissioned the disciples to go, but then said in Luke, but wait for the power. Before you go, you need the power. Wait in Jerusalem, he told them, until the Spirit has come upon you. And then you will receive power. And then you go out and be my witness. And that's the answer to this last little question. This is quick. When do we go? After we've got the power. Because we see this little detail in uh, the other Gospels that Matthew doesn't include here. Jesus says go to them, but he says not yet. He gives them this commission and says, go, but then he says, wait. A few days from now, and it ended up being 50, Penta. 50 days later, they would be sitting in an upper room. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. He said, wait for that to happen. And when you receive power from on high, then you can go. When do we go? After we've got the power. Go for sure, but not until you've got the power. Last week, we saw Jesus breathed. On them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came in them. It's the Greek word in, N E N. The Holy Spirit came in them, and they were born again at that moment. But here he says, But soon the Spirit will come upon you. Different preposition. It's the word epi in the Greek. It means upon. He said, When the Spirit comes upon you, that's when you need to receive power. When the Spirit comes in you, you're going to be born again. But that's not the full work of the Holy Spirit. He said, When the Spirit comes upon you, That's when you're going to receive the power. And you wait. The Spirit makes you alive when he comes in you, but you receive power when he comes upon you. Go for sure, but not until the power of the Holy Spirit has come. Real quick, I'll end with this. You remember the pre-risen Jesus disciples? Locked in a room, terrified, right? Freaked out. Then we see the post-risen Jesus disciples still in a room, but with the doors unlocked, And not freaked out, expectant, waiting for the Holy Spirit. But then 
the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and you don't see them in the room anymore at all. They are out, they have like broken open the doors. They are out with boldness, not scared. They're still expected, but they're not waiting for anything. They are out. Listen, if you've got the Holy Spirit, stop being inside. You should not be inside. Get out. But listen, if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit, don't try anything. You're going to mess everything up. You're going to mess yourself up. You're going to get eaten alive. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you're like, man, I see what's in front of me. I see that I've been sent. I want to be about making disciples. That's why I'm here. If I wasn't to, to do this work, Jesus would just kill me and take me home. But I'm here. I'm supposed to be doing this work with Jesus. But I just don't feel like I have the power. Don't go out yet. But do ask. Do ask. Jesus said, ask for the Holy Spirit. God will give you his spirit. My father will send you the Holy Spirit. Just like a father who his son asks for bread, he's not going to give him a snake. You ask for the Holy Spirit, father's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Ask today, Lord, I need the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and be a witness. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody stand up. And ask the band to come on up. Close your eyes or open them or whatever. In ancient Jewish culture, they had this habit of praying like this, extending their hands with their palms facing up as if they were receiving something from heaven. This is how they would pray. That's what we're going to do right now. I'm asking everybody to just put their hands up like this. And I'm just going to pray a prayer that we would receive all that God has for us. And listen, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking so much. If you have no idea what that is, you're like, dude, that sounds weird. That's what the Bible says. We're going to be talking about this for the next 15 weeks. Come, it's going to be good. But, man, you, you feel like you don't have the power. Maybe it's just, maybe you're born again, but, like, you just don't have an engine in your car. You're like the Flintstones, just like, trying to work, getting so tired. You just need the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Spirit. So today, man, we're just going to ask him. And if you got the Holy Spirit, the Bible says to continually be filled with the Spirit. So we're just going to ask him to fill us afresh, to receive power from on high, to do what he's called us to do. Lord, thank you that in you is everything that we need. We look to you expectant now. We hear the call. We want to position ourselves in a way that we're able to hear and see this commissioning. We want to receive this commissioning. And we ask, Lord, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, that you would come and just move in our lives. You'd fill us to the point of overflowing. Lord, if there's somebody here who's just never received the baptism, they've never been immersed in the Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just come upon them. You'd fall upon them right now, Lord. You'd fall upon them, and they'd receive power from on high. And if that's you, man, and you've just been living like you're just tired, you feel like you've got no power, then just put your heart in a place of, like, receiving and, and knowing, like, man, I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this. I need you. I need your power. I need your power. Jesus said to the disciples, it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit comes. Holy Spirit, we need you. We ask that you would come. Holy Spirit, come and even just fill this place right now. Fill our lives. Give us your power to go and 
glorify Jesus, to go and do the will of the Father, to, to go and join in with bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth as Jesus taught us to pray. Position ourselves now in a place of being ready to just receive. The carpets are here today, guys, as we worship, to come and take a posture of humility and recognizing of God being sovereign and above us. Encourage you to come and use those carpets. Get on your knees or on your face. Communion is here. The elements are here. Remember the finished work of Jesus on the cross. The prayer team is on the right and the left. If you want even just like specific prayer for what we're talking about or something totally different, they would love to pray for you. They are here ready to pray for you. But let's stay here. Let's sit in this. This time right here, if you're new to Reality Ventura, this time right here is the time for us to respond. God has spoken. Now it's time for us to respond to him through singing, through sitting, through meditating. Let's do that now.